What's going on, your boy? Mixmaster B here live from the MMB Radio Studios for the MMB Radio Podcast, where no topic is too big or too small. We talk about them all. And as we are rapidly approaching Exotica, Edison, New Jersey, 2022, as we're actually going to get back to some kind of a normalcy at Exotica, if there's ever really anything normal at Exotica, <laughs> we have Eden Blair on the line, who's going to talk to us a little bit about her upcoming appearance, a lot of other great things she's got going on. So I'm super excited. So I just want to welcome her in right now. Eden, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And like I said, Exotica is rapidly approaching. It's like as soon as the air starts to get a little bit cooler, you know, you know, it's Exotica's New Jersey's coming up. And like I said, it, hopefully we get back to some kind of normalcy because the last couple of years we've kind of been tiptoeing through this whole pandemic thing. And now, you know, it's starting to open up a little bit more. And we're going to talk about that. But I want to also kind of just get right into it and get a little bit more about yourself because a lot of people know who you are. I've had a lot of people sending in questions, a lot of people that are fans of yours. But for people who are not familiar with who you are and your work, kind of give us a little, you know, that little eHarmony breakdown of who you are. Oh, absolutely. So I am a adult industry performer. I have been in the industry for almost nine years. I got started doing modeling for car magazines and car shows when I was 18 years old, got into the industry when I was about 25. And, you know, just kind of live my life the way I want to currently doing, you know, a big project with renovating a school bus, want to travel the country a little bit more and also still stay focused on attending the exotica expos because for me the fans are everything i'm nobody without them so i make a point to go to the expos and be on the floor for those for those amazing people that come out and see us uh, because i think it's important and frankly most of my fans discover me at those shows so you know it uh it works both ways yeah, like, like I said, it was really cool that we had fans that were like tweeting in and sending messages on Instagram and through socials, and they're all saying like, you know, like oh, I love Eden, you know, I've been a fan of hers forever. And then there are other people that are like, you know, I'm I'm just finding out about her. So you start off doing regular, you know, like you said, modeling at like auto shows and car shows and stuff like that. Um, how did that kind of come about? Did you always kind of have this, you know, feeling that you know, hey, I want to be you know, a model, because for some some people, that's not the easiest thing to do to get out front and say, like, hey, look at me. Um, kind of take us through that mindset. Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm trying to remember when I decided to kind of do that. I mean, I'm a theater kid anyway, so, like, I've always been a bit of a exhibitionist, I guess you would say. So mm -hmm. it all kind of came together when I got invited um, to a car show with a friend of mine and they had models there and I didn't even know that was a thing and so when the next kind of show rolled around I had done a few photo shoots and done a few things like that and I've always been a huge car person myself like I've always been into classic cars I'm really into Jeeps which is like a whole different offshoot and I think living around the country the way I have over the course of my life, you get to experience a lot of different subcultures within the car culture, you know, like in one area of the country, it's all about like these nineties model Lincolns and Buicks with like sweet tarts, uh, paint jobs on them that, you know, or Starbucks paint jobs with like crazy 22 inch rims. In another country, it's about like 
super amazing, beautiful, detailed paint work and low riders. In other parts of the country, it's all about like big, beasty muscle cars. And I think that getting to be in all those areas and have those experiences really shaped me as a person, like where I kind of find a way to have something in common with almost every single person I meet. Um, even down to like the nerdy stuff. Like I personally had a Jurassic Park Jeep for years, you know, and I'll have another one again someday. But, um, you know, like to the point that what led me into porn was um, I had to drop out of auto body school because I wanted to, to restore classic cars for, for, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. And turns out I'm like really allergic to a chemical and polishing compound. So when we got like a year into school and we started doing that kind of finishing work, I had to drop out for medical reasons and I had seen a documentary on like the behind the scenes of the AVN show. And I was like, I can do that. And I'd already been stripping. uh, I started stripping when I was 19. And so for me, it was just like this little jump, you know, from one thing to another and going from doing pinup modeling and laundry modeling and car, car and motorcycle modeling Mm -hmm. to, doing my very first like full spread eagle photo shoot and like sending it off to the Latata list and someone calling me back and then literally moving. I was in North Carolina at the time and I drove myself alone across country in four days. And three days after I got to California, I shot my first scene and the rest is kind of history, you know? So you mentioned that, you know, you lived in different parts of the country. Where, where of all were you living different areas? Why did you oh and God. why did you yeah, live in no, different areas I, so much? It's I can't even tell you like, I'm from a specific place. That's how much I've moved in my over the course of <laughs> my life. She's got bumper stickers um, from everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just between first grade and graduating high school, I went to 28 different schools in nine different states, oh, wow. so a lot of different towns. Um and then since then, as an adult, I would live in a place for a year or two. I'd kind of get bored. I'd want a new adventure and I would just pick somewhere and go, you know, or some, you know, I'd be invited by a friend. Oh, Hey, come out and, you know, try this place out when we can be roommates or like whatever. And, uh, so yeah, it's just, I kind of have that free spirit that way. Like it's always nerve wracking, but at the same time, it's an opportunity to, meet different people, explore new things, and just be you, you know? And I think that that's a big factor is, like, no, if you move to a place where no one knows you, you can just be you, and people can like it or leave it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that's very powerful about just having the balls, so to speak, to just make a change, like, real quick, you know? Like, when I decided to you know, get into the industry and leave North Carolina where I'd been for maybe a um, year and a half at the time. I made that decision two weeks before I moved, you know, so it was crazy. And I've never kind of been hindered by that. I, you know, I think because I've moved around so much over the course of my life, I unfortunately don't have like very many long-term friendships or relationships because of that. But at the same time, I have friendships all over the place from people that I've met throughout my life. And I think that that's uh, something that's really special, but just it keeps it where I am not scared to just jump in to something. 
And I mean, it, it it is an advantage that you have over people because being able to say you've lived in different areas, like you said, you've seen different cultures, you know, just not into, you know, the auto, you know, scene, but just different cultures in general, you know, like mm -hmm. I always tell people that, you know, I live in an area where it's very diverse, you know, so for me, there's not a whole lot of culture shock when I go to some other place, you know, because I'm like, I've lived around people of all different genres and, you know, racial backgrounds and, you know, whatnot. So it's not for me. It's like if I were to go somewhere, you know, it's like it's, hey, I'm used to, you know, seeing different types of people and different cultures as opposed to somebody who's, you know, lived in, in, a, in a rural area and they've gone to the major city and it's just like a cesspool and they're like, what is going on, you know? So, um, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, and one of the things I wanted to ask too, I mean, you say you mentioned you, you traveled around and moved around a lot growing up. I mean, did you have a family that, you know, was like, like a military? Like what was the reason for traveling no, so much? No, honestly, I wish, I wish my mother would tell me. Honestly. <laughs> it's like, like a my, secret. My parents divorced when I, my parents divorced when I was three. Uh huh. And my mom just moved us around. There were some schools I went to, we were only there for four to six months. Oh, wow. You know, like I very rarely spent an entire year in one school, which made it very difficult. And, you know, I was always the new person. And especially when we really started moving a lot, I was already in like junior high, middle school, that kind of thing. So like I became very intent intensely focused on my grades because I didn't want to have any issues next school, you know, and yeah. that was extremely difficult because every school has a different class set up. They might use different books. They might be teaching in a different way or at a completely different part of a course and trying to play catch up with that. So I really, you know, I was a big reader and I just kind of hung out with whoever wanted to hang out with me. I didn't like pick favorites or like my, you know, my sister was very invested in being popular um, I really didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I by the time you got you know, popular, just, you were moving away. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I felt like I was never, like, the popular kid. Like, I never got asked out in school. I never had a boyfriend. Like, I never, you know, I was just the girl that had all the friends that were dudes, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, or, and, and that was it, you know? Like, I remember once I even, I like, my senior year of high school, it was, like, prom. And no one asked me. And so, like, I had a friend that I didn't think had a date. And so I was like, yo, you want to, like, go to the prom, you know, just buddies, you know, hang out? And he's like, oh, no, I'm going to ask this girl. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, and I ended up going to, like, a party with, like, uh, some, well, I hung out with, like, a lot of adults. But <laughs> I ended up going to um, just, like, a house party that happened to be the same night because uh, it was a Friday night. And uh, I was, at the time, I was apprenticing as a tattoo artist and I was like 17 and uh so I went to like the owner's one of his things and just hung out with them then you know that night and that kind of thing but you know my my friend though was super regretted asking someone else though because apparently she forced a first kiss on him and he's like I should have just gone with you that was so awkward but uh you know <laughs> see problems but, aren't always always you know, what like, they're cracked but, up to be <laughs> yeah you know but like all of my you know it's funny to me because all of my stories that kind of revolve around like weird high school moments, you know, and like a lot of, a lot of people, they go to college and stuff, you know, and I was never in a position to really do that for myself, you know? And I also felt like vocational work was much more positive, you know, uh, for what I want to do with my life. 
you know? So like I stripped and paid all my bills for years. I was doing promotional modeling, event modeling, car show modeling, doing all of those things. And that really encompassed my life for a really long time. And then, like I was saying, it's like when I was um, 24, I was finally like, you know what? I want to, I love cars and I want to, you know, and I have painting skills and stuff and I want to make a, a career out of that. And then, you know, that obviously didn't work out. And then, you know, here I am now, but you know, I think all these different places I live, like I said, like I can always find, it seems something that I have in common with anyone I come across. And it's really apparent at expos, especially I have girls who come up to me and they're just like, I don't understand how you like can have like full conversations with like every person that walks up to your table, you know? And I'm like, you just figure out what, what you both are into, you know, like it's very, you know, answer questions or like comment on something like I'm really nerdy. So like if someone's wearing like a shirt of like a movie I like, or like something I recognize, like we end up talking about that or, you know, <laughs> things like that. So um, it works in my benefit for sure. But it also works, <laughs> works against me when I, when I do dance, uh, which I may not, do it again um because of my injuries that i got when i was actively working in california um and i injured a hip really badly and then i had a car accident that injured a nerve in my neck um so working like really really long scenes is very hard on my body but dancing is even worse (laughs) so i've kind of decided to you know not be like a four day a week dancer anymore (laughs) like like i was when i was younger but the problem is, is that I get along with people so well that just me being able to have like conversations seems to go the wrong way at the strip club and people end up trying to, you know, get me to be their girlfriend instead of, you know, they're trying to buy you. They're trying to work. save you. <laughs> well, no, they don't even <laughs> want to spend, but they don't spend any money. You know, so it's, it's They want to save you on a budget. You know? and then they, get, they get so mad. <laughs> they get so mad at me when I'm like, all right, well, I need to make money. So I need to go. You know, but, you know, at the same, you know, and it's great that they think I'm cool like that. But at the same time, I need to pay bills, you know, so it is what it is. Well, but I mean, um, that kind of brings me to the question, too. I mean, it's kind of, it's, you got into you got it. Like you say, you got into the the dancing and everything. And yeah, you, you can make money doing that. But what was the like, what was your I guess what was like the focus or like the mindset of wanting to do something like getting into stripping? I mean, you said you were, you know, a theater child, so you were very you know, out there. I, I love, I love being on stage and interacting. Like, so when I dance even, like, I'm not just trying to booty shake. I almost have like a very tongue in cheek kind of burlesque style. That's not really burlesque. Like I try to interact with people. I will actively be cute or funny. I, you know, will wave at people. And like, if I see someone like really looking at me, I'll try to call them over and like, like I'll steal a hat, I'll you know, like different things. Like I just, I'm very interactive when I'm on stage versus just standing at the pole and shaking my ass or just trying to do pole tricks or that kind of thing. It's not all about being like overtly sexual, get your ass in their face. A lot of it too is like the character that you are when you're on stage. And I think for me, it's a fantastic representation of my overall personality. It's a little, um, little dominant little cute, you know, and like I said, very tongue in cheek, um, but also very sensual versus 
sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's um, a big thing about my career as a whole is when you watch my scenes, I'm the same way. You know, it's just who I am. Like, it's just my everyday personality turned up to 11. You know, when I get into a situation like that where I have eyes on me and I have that stage to be on, whether it's a camera or whether it's a, a dance stage, um, I kind of, my energy feeds off of that. And it's the same thing that happens at the Exotica shows. You know, I love, you know, like I said, interacting with people. I'll sit on top of a table and wave at people and like be cute and like flirt with them across a room or like, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, so for me, it's something that I just, it just fills my soul. I get all warm and fuzzy. I love it. Well, I mean, it's, it's great that you're able to break that down because for some people they get into, you know, the dancing business or the adult business. I don't want to say for the wrong reasons, but kind of with no knowledge of the business. Um, when you got into Mm -hmm. the adult business, what sort of research, if you did any, like what? sort of knowledge did you have of the business like were you a fan of porn were you watching it like what was you know the, oh, the yeah, go-to I mean, for I, all of I it i watched porn and i watched porn a lot and i do i do know a couple of things for me was when i got into porn you know the only thing is hard for me because it's for me there's like that thrill of like a big company like filming and like a bunch of people get to see it is is not really there mm-hmm. you know so it's like it's a much smaller audience so that's for me it's not as exciting but i still do my best to make it with the situation that i'm in because i'm very um alone out here you know so i'm not like i don't have you know i can't just call up another performer and say hey let's shoot content today you know i can't do that so you know i think for some people the level at what they're expecting on that end I can't quite deliver because I'm really well known for, you know, cuckolding scenes and buy scenes and, and things like that where I'm I'm almost in a group setting and I'm really controlling that setting. Um, and that's something that's really fun for me. But um, but that's part of it. So, like, I knew that I wanted to do what I call studio work, right? So I wanted to shoot for these big companies. I wanted to shoot for Wicked. I wanted to shoot for Hustler. Again, theater kid. Mm-hmm. I love acting. I can memorize a script in a very short period of time. I'm I'm known for not even having my script on me at on set that have very long scripts because I'll just flip over it real quick and then I'll just set it down, you know, and I have that ability to memorize because I did theater, right? So I have the ability to like memorize like lots and lots of dialogue over prolonged periods of time without having to look at a script. So you know? it sounds like you're more uh, into doing so the, the more into doing actual scenes and not so much, you know, like Gonzo work. Yeah, but Gonzo's really great for me too because um again, it's studio work in mm-hmm. a way. Like you you get a character, you get a you get an opening line and then you get to run with it and I love ad-libbing, you know, like I love that. I think that's why for me the main transition that I've done since leaving California during COVID is transitioning more into phone sex work because, oh my God, it's so fun. <laughs> because for me, I get to really explore like my ability as a storyteller and how I read, how well I can read somebody with very minimal information, 
so to speak. I can't see them a lot of times. Like I do video calls from time to time when I can, but I can't see them. And very often I don't even get to hear their voice. So it's all texting, you know, and Mm -hmm. some of the um, messages that I've had back and forth with certain people are good enough that like you could, you could make a movie out of them. Like they're crazy. Like even some of the more strange um, fetishes, I guess some people aren't as aware of like vor, which is a giant test fetish where you shrink people and you eat them, but it's not like, I'm going to grind your bones kind of thing. It's like, I'm going to slide you down my throat. And you're going to live in my stomach and I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to smack, you know, smack my stomach and like tell you to shush and quit kicking and like things like that, um, which is super fun. And for, for me being very creative and active, getting to create stories like that, whether it's that fetish or anything else is incredibly fun. And I try to get as much information out of somebody um, before I get on a call with people as I can. So normally I don't even turn my calls on unless someone's requesting a call because I want to prod them a little bit because if they want, let's say a, what was one that was recently? Oh, stepson, right? So he's a stepson. I'm the stepmother and he's calling me for something. And then it turns into a sexual situation, right? I want to answer the phone in character. I want to immediately jump into that story and immediately jump into that fantasy without breaking it. Cause that's important for me. I think that's a big thing that I love about role play work, right? So sex Panther gives me the ability to do that in a different way over and over and over again with a lot of different stories. And I think that, that's why it's a bigger draw to me than just solo content creation because I get to interact with someone. And I think that's for me, what makes that exciting um, in a, like the same way, but also in a different way than shooting an actual scene where I'm interacting with um, the other people that are on set with me um, in that same way. But with sex Panther, these are complete strangers who are coming to me and not wanting to be judged for anything and nor should they be and wanting to explore a fantasy and make that fantasy real. And I think that that is something that is so special about what that app offers because you really can't get that with anything else, even like a chatterbait cam or something like that. You don't have that real opportunity to do that in that way. So and I'm always I'm amazed. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, I'm always amazed of how, like, there's, I always tell people, I said, there's, you know, there's people that are in the business that are successful, and then there are other people that are, you know, they just kind of, you know, fly by night type things. And I always say, you can always tell the people that are, like, business minded. So I would say you're more business minded, although, I mean, I understand, like, you're enjoying it, you know, but you have, like, you have, like some organization to it is what I'm trying to say, really, because there's a lot yeah, of people yeah. who. It's the way it's the way my brain works for sure. You know, the, I like to. Cause, yeah, because there's people that don't know what and, they're doing. And mold it. You know, mm-hmm. and then it's like the way technology has transformed everything, even from the sense of what we're doing right now, having you know mm-hmm. an inter- interactive you know conversation, recording it a podcast. You know, it's like. 20 years ago, you weren't doing this. 15 years ago, you know, people weren't doing this. 
And, ten years ago. Yeah, ten years ago. It was ago. barely a thing. Yeah, exactly. And then you see people now where it's like you got into the business and you had a mindset and you had like, you know, a direction in your mind of what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And not knowing if it, you know, it was going to pan out in your favor or not, but at least you had some type of outline of this is what I want to do. This mm-hmm. is what I enjoy doing. And I see a lot of people that get into the business because anybody can go on OnlyFans, or, you know, Chatterbait and yeah. all these other places and, not, and sign up for something. It's not the same thing. Yeah, it's not. And I, oh my God, though, these cam girls, like whole different level than when I first kind of played around in it in like 2010, 2011, like at that point you could just sit in an empty room and just be on camera and just not really do much until someone took you into a private, you know, and then you'd take your clothes off and it was very simple and basic. And now, um, like a, a friend of mine, uh, Kylie corrupt, she's amazing. Um, she does like cosplay. She does these super extravagant costumes and makeup and her room is like absolutely like to the, to the hilt decorated and she has other costumes and she does all these different characters and like plays games and like all the, it is a whole different world, you know, mm-hmm. and that's another different level, you know, that I think isn't appreciated. Like some of those girls are so professional. Like it is their life. Like that is what they do and they are fucking great at it, you know? And then there's, you know, like people like me who go into the mainstream industry as we call it who want to shoot for the big companies, want to do the magazines, want to do that stuff. And, and they're able to do it. And some people go into that, not really knowing how to uh, work within that space or market themselves or, or, or update their look or adjust in any way, like that kind of thing. And I think that that's what makes a good agent and a bad agent too. When you get into the industry on that level, you know, is does your current work look, or can we tweak that to make you the best, version of yourself to make you a little bit more marketable so you get booked more and you get to do more of what you enjoy doing well that's the you pros know? and cons and I, think that I think of the business too mm-hmm. especially yeah, with the, exactly. the way technology you know? is technology has opened it up for more people to be seen but the problem is that, that more people are being seen and it's almost becoming you know oversaturated in a in a sense you know like any any form I, of I would entertainment say it's definitely oversaturated you know for sure you know and and um and i think a lot of people think that all of us just make all this money and that's not true like you know maybe 0.002% of us make the money that people think we do maybe you know 10% of us or 5% of us even make more than $5,000 a month, you know, I certainly don't, you know, at the height of my career, I was making like five to seven, but now, you know, like just doing what I do now, um, I'm making significantly less than that, but I'm still happy doing what I'm doing because, you know, as long as someone still enjoys that interaction with me and enjoys what I do and how I do it, I want to keep doing it. Well, that's the evil you know? of it, and I, I still think. I work on my other projects, you know. I still work on my other projects and do things to plan for my future, but this will still probably be an integral part of that future. Yeah, well, like I said, that's the, that's the evil part of it is because, like, you actually enjoy it, and you're like, okay, even if I'm making less, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. 
And that's why I said people have the wrong mindset when they get into this because anybody can sign up and make an account on any of these social media websites and, you know, whatnot, and they think it's instant cash, you know. And you mentioned your friend mm-hmm. having, you know, the extravagant room and the costumes and everything. And it's like, yeah, you have to, you have to step your game up because there's so much competition. And mm-hmm. when there's competition, I feel like it doesn't become enjoyable, you know, and people lose the, like, you know, when it becomes more of where it's just, yeah, I mean, we're doing it because you need, you know, you're making money, you know, it's, you know, there's a give and take to it. But for some people, it's strictly just about money. And when you don't see that cash coming in because you're competing against everybody else, you know, you lose that, that enthusiasm for what you originally were, you know, possibly doing this for. I can say that I can vouch for that doing a podcast like it's podcasting is oversaturated. I have to compete with other people to get guests, you know, and if I didn't enjoy what I was doing, then, yeah, I probably would have just threw the towel into and been like, fuck it. I ain't doing this no more, you know, because I can't I'm not making money. I'm not, you know, I'm not making, you know, trends and stuff of that nature. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's cool that you, you know, again, or organize and have like a, a mindset in it. But. I want to get in some questions from fans because, as we mentioned, I mean, there are people yes, out there that please. are so. That's, that's my main thing. I'm like, question. I'm an open book. I'd always tell people that, too. And like, it, I always tell my fans, like, I'm like, I am an open book. You can literally ask me anything. And sometimes I will say I wish that they would ask me, like, more real questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because we get the stereotypical but, I questions. Some, I do have some that do. I do have some that do. And I get to have these incredible conversations. I've been trying to do like more Instagram live to try to kind of pull that out of people. Still mm-hmm. like pulling teeth right now, but I think eventually people will get the hint and they'll figure it out because, you know, Instagram isn't something where I can really be completely open about what I do or, or my answers to certain questions. And luckily, this is why I always accept interview requests because I know that people will submit these questions and I can answer them the exact way I want to without having to be hindered by a program yes <laughs> that could, that exactly could me forever you know so um so yes definitely ask away yeah so uh, i said we i mean we usually get this a lot of the same questions for interviews um from fans so i try to like weed through some of them and try to find some of the ones that are you know not just so you know like well what's your favorite scene to shoot you know and i mean there's you more than welcome to answer <laughs> yes, that but yeah, but um, I, one of the persons, one of, one of the people that were tweeting in a question, they DM'd me, and I don't like to use people's ads because some people like to be, you know, discreet when they're they don't want significant yeah, others of people. Yeah, if they send a DM, they usually want to be discreet. Yeah, so I won't mention <laughs> the name, but if you're you're listening to this and you know this is your question, here it is. So someone wanted to know: Have you ever had any bad experiences in the business to the point where it considered changing? like uh professions like decided that you know you you made a mistake and how did you overcome you know overcome that i will say i've had um a bad experience um but it wasn't at that like i didn't want to quit the business um at all like it was something that happened it was um on a set male talent was just the most unprofessional person I've ever worked with in my life, um, basically. And um, he made the day extremely difficult to the point where we had to come back for a reshoot just to shoot the pop shot. Um, I was not happy <laughs> um, because it was a lot of effort on my part and very little effort on his. And then he still showed up late to 
the pop shot reshoot, which should have took 20 minutes, even though it took me three hours of my time before I even got to set. Um, so he immediately went on my no list, which is something that every performer has the ability to have, where we can basically blacklist that performer from being able to be booked with us. Um, and so that's what I did. I immediately did that, you know, and never worked with him since, you know. Um, for me, like the fact that the company booked him again for another scene after the fact um, with someone else was not great on their part. The behavior that he displayed that day was so unbecoming. I'm surprised he ever worked with them again, frankly, but it's not something that made me want to leave the industry because for me, I'm very particular about what I shoot what my rules are. I've always laid my rules out at the beginning of the scene for any person I work with. I try to create professional relationships with these directors, photographers, and that has served me extremely well um, throughout my career. And I put my foot down when I need to. And that's that, you know, I, you know, again, coming into it a little bit older, I already had an understanding that like, if I don't want to do something, I'm going to say no, and that's going to be the end of it. Right. So for me, really, the only bad experience that I've had was that experience. So and to the point, like for things that like want to make me leave the industry, there are things that almost forced me out of the industry, like my injuries. You know, I tore a labrum in my hip during an orgy scene um, one one time and that put me down for eight months because I literally like the labrum that tore kind of controls the muscles in your leg um so I literally couldn't like open my hips up I couldn't walk very well you know I trained one of my dogs to be a mobility dog for me for for that time period um weird fun fact I'm also an accredited dog trainer um but I still went back as soon as I thought I could handle it again I went back and I started shooting again and then a few months later um I had my car accident where I almost detached my brachial plexus nerve in my shoulder, which basically controls muscles around the shoulder and the neck. And I literally went to an exotica with a neck brace. <laughs> like <laughs> dedication, later, you know? Yeah. So, you know, so, and stay, I still have issues with that injury, but you know, I still went back. I still shot scenes, you know, I still, did what I could to do what I love to do, you know? And I think that that's all part of it. You know, it's like finding that pivot point where you can still do what you want within the restrictions that you have and still giving a great scene, no matter what, you know? And I think that that's a big factor because that scene with that guy that I talked about, mm -hmm. you would not know at all that that was happening that day. And I mean, and it literally went on all day, you know, his behavior. So you would never know that watching that scene because that I still was, I'm, you know, I'm here to do this job and I'm here to make something for the fans that the fans will enjoy and that I will be proud of. And, I, know? Could and I think that that's, that's a big thing for me. 
I mean, it kind of goes into this next question. We got one of uh, the female fans who said she recently was approached about getting into the business, and she contacted a company who she had never had heard from before and shot some stuff with them. And then the company had pretty much ghosted her after that. She says, I got paid. Oh, my God. She said, I got paid, but have not heard any more from them. She goes, I don't know if they're not interested in no longer working with me, but she wants to know, like, what advice would you give somebody who has pretty much no experience in the business? They got paid to shoot, but don't know, like, when this stuff would be available, where it's going to be available. Um I mean, that's what happens, you know, uh, unfortunately. Now, as a new person coming into the industry, and I even have girls that I talk to at expos about these things. Like, I try to educate as much as I can about your rights as a model, you know? Like, you can have a no list. You can say no to anything. Value yourself, you know? But also, do your research. You know, if the company that is contacting you is not one that you have heard of, look them up. See if they're legitimate. See if they're actually producing scenes and not just making scenes that they don't put out. And ask for references. Ask who they've worked with. You know, contact those models. Like, I'll ask for, like, hey, I need six references, and I will randomly contact models. Or if they do have a page, you know, especially if it's um, certain types of content, you know, um, if they have a page, I will look and see, are they tagging models? Okay, here's a model that's tagged. Let me contact her. And let's see what her experience was like on set. You know? Um, as for a company not contacting you after the fact, that can happen. You know, I've had companies that I shot for once, and then they never booked me again, or they booked me for other things, or they reuse the scene over and over and over in other compilations. So that happens a lot. And then some companies don't put content out for a really long time. I had a scene I shot for Hustler that didn't come out until like a year after I shot it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, so that's, that can happen. They don't just always put it out like within days. They don't put it out within weeks sometimes or even months. So that is something that does happen. Um, but the main, you know, like I said, the main importance is that she's doing her research to make sure that she's safe. You know, and I think that's a big, big thing, especially with girls in this industry. You know, um, a lot of people try to take advantage. Like I still have, like I'll get random messages from companies on Twitter, like whatever. And I do, I personally do that same research. If it's not a big name company and I'm not getting the Twitter directly from their actual Twitter account, you know, for example, then I get very nervous. Like I had someone who was it? Um, I had someone who contacted me once saying they were from penthouse, right? No clue who they were. They had like 50 people following them on Twitter. <laughs> that should be so, the first red flag. <laughs> well, exactly. Right. So I DM'd penthouse directly and I tagged them in the message and said, Hey, does this person work for you? They said no. And I'm like, all right, well, they say that they are. Here's the, here's screenshot, which is important, you know, too. Like, there are a lot of people on some of these sites, like Sexy Jobs, stuff like that, 
who say they work for these large companies who absolutely don't. These companies generally, if they're not contacting you directly or the director, a director for the company isn't contacting you directly, it's very unlikely that those people are associated with that company in any, in any way, you know? Cause like I have directors who will message me on, like who messaged me. I was freelance for a short period of time when I lived in California and I had directors that I had previously shot with or didn't shoot with, but they had worked with the director I, I shot with and contacted me directly for a scene for some company that they were shooting, you know? So that does happen. But again, same thing, basic research. Who are they saying they're working for? Contact that company and wait till you hear back. You yeah, know? I mean, it seems like so, she's. She, I think it's more of an anxiety thing for her because she's, she said she got paid. Yeah. So that's a good first sign, you know. At least you got paid, you know. But I guess now, I mean, I can understand that anxiety. But paid goes goes a lot of different ways, you know. Like I had a friend who um, told me that she she um, got a certain rate for a group scene, and I was like, that's that's what they paid you. I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> like that is not a group scene rate. And she's yeah. like, Oh, well what's, what's your rate? And I'm like, it's, it's this. And over this amount of people, I add this much money for each additional person, you know, because that's a lot of one extra effort on your part and a lot of extra, uh, effort on your body, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So like, um, you know, so things like that, you know, like understanding what standard rates are and being able to talk about those rates and be direct about those rates and being direct about what you will and won't do. I always also ask, and I, this is why I also research companies, because I have people who approach me and I'll go watch their scenes and I'm like, absolutely not. Like, for example, rough, rough sex scenes. I do not do those. Right. I do not do rough scenes. I am with my injuries and with my personal comfort level. I'm also not submissive. So I'm not like one of those people that wants to be like gagged with a dick, you know, um, or choked out or whatever. So I'll go research. Okay. They have scenes out. Let me see a preview from a scene. And if that looks particularly rough, I'm like, Nope, you know, or I'll, or I'll come back and I'll be like, Hey, I see that you normally shoot like this. These are my notes. Like these are things I will not do and I'm not comfortable with on a set, right? So just like putting your foot down and like having your boundaries is extremely important. And you have every right in the world to do that as a model. I don't give a fuck what another girl did. This is my boundaries, mm-hmm. right? So it's important. And whoever it was to ask that question, feel free to DM me, girl. I am here for any and all advice that you would like and hopefully can point you in a great direction. So, yeah, I mean, it seems but, like um, she, you know, was interested in doing it, but again, not doing the research, you know, just hearing the feedback in your answer there, it just is an eye opener for a lot of other people because I mean, I guess it sound, it sounded glamorous at the time, you know, I don't know what she was offered money wise, but you know, she mentioned that she got paid, you know, but now she's having this anxiety mm-hmm. because she doesn't know when it's going to come out, you know, where it's going to be available, who's going to be able to see it. But I also say, these are the things but that the you have time, to think about. Signed that right yes. away. Yes. That's what I was going to say. You have to think about these things before you get into it. You don't have that control. Yeah, you don't you don't have that control, you know, and that's, again, part of why I've developed, you know, I try to develop relationships with the photographers and and the directors, because 
um, very often I was able to, at the very least, get what we call pretty girls, which are the solo images of us that they take for, you know, box cover images, so to speak, um, for the promotional stuff that they make. Um, and I was very often able to get those and I was able to be like, oh, I just did this shoot for this company and I could tag the company and I could post this picture that they took and promote that scene. You know, I did a lot of that and, and I still do, you know, very early in my career, it was really important to me to try to get those pictures because that's the most updated image of you that you have, right? Unless you're doing photo shoots all the time, you know, with other photographers, you know, and, um, but having the pictures from the scene is what can make people excited about that scene too, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, like when you get paid and you sign the 2257, you have no control. They, you don't have, you don't have any say on where it's released, when it's released, who gets to see it, nothing. You know, so that's something like if that's a fear that you have of getting discovered, don't get into this industry. Yeah, because you will get found out, period. Like I got outed after my second scene by some random kid that I knew for three months at some random school I went to in Mississippi <laughs> who saw my first interracial and was severely offended, which is bullshit. And was well, it was Mississippi. It, so, you know, literally <laughs> sent the link because he was in touch with my sister, sent the link to my sister. And that's how my family found out. I was just going to, I didn't, like, I'm not particularly close to my family, but they're also very modest and conservative people, mm-hmm. you know? So they knew I was a stripper already. Like, they already knew that, you know? But I was going to wait until I was just a little further in my career to let them know what I was doing. You yeah, know? like I said, overall, it feels like but that's what this girl's anxiety is. They probably would have never never found it found out until i called my mom one day was like hey i got nominated for an award you know know, like that kind of thing so um, i said that's that's the scary parts of the business you know that people it's even on only fans like people think like like oh well if i just do only fans and i don't show my face i'm like i'm sorry but like if you have tattoos if you have certain piercings if your body shape is recognizable to somebody someone's gonna gonna get out it yeah X is forever, and someone you know will recognize you and will inevitably tell other people. Mm-hmm. And something that a lot of people don't talk about with getting into this industry, and some people do, but a lot of people don't, is the effect it can have on your personal relationships. You could be completely alienated from your family. You could be an alienated from friends that you've had for years. There could be random people that find out that meet you that never want to speak to you again. You know, like I've, I've been in situations where I was out with a friend and she invited another friend and we were going to take pictures. It was like a girl's night and her friend um, knew I was in the industry. And because she worked for, you know, like uh, a car company, she refused to be in a photo with me just in case, you know? Mm-hmm. So, cause she was afraid that if she got, if someone recognized me in a picture with her, that she would lose her job, which is absolutely ridiculous. But that's the world that you have to live in, you know, like you have to be prepared for that difficulty moving forward. You know, some people get very, very lucky and their family's like super great with it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy for them to find a romantic relationship or a new friendship or even keep their old ones, you know. So it is an effect, you know, and not just that, you know, like banks also will close our accounts like we get charged more money on percentages for 
you know, if we're selling something from a website and it's funneled through PayPal, for instance, like uh, charging for panties or 8x10s or whatever, you know, we get charged a higher percentage in taxes on that. We already get higher, charged higher taxes because we're self-employed, you know. So, and then we have, like, the issues with the credit card companies trying to not work with the adult sites that host our content, you know. So there's a lot that goes into the difficulties that a lot of people don't talk about that if you have a good head on your shoulders, you can work around it and you can pivot and you can find a new way to make it work. But for some people, that causes them to leave the industry very quickly um, or very much regret their choices in coming into the industry. So for me, I always tell people, I'm like, if you're thinking about doing this, you have to be all in, you know, and not just be all in, understand what your brand is going to be, what your marketing is going to be, what your, what your style is going to be, you know, like for me, I believe that if you were to watch a compilation of my scenes, I have a very defined style personally, like the way I do my hair and makeup, the way I carry myself, the way I perform in scenes, the way I speak or what, like what I do, those are all part of my own personality that I've managed to turn into part of my brand, you know? And I think that that's something important that people should think about too. You know, don't do anything you don't enjoy doing, you know, because it should be something that you do to explore yourself, be able to hopefully find something that you're passionate about and not have any regrets, you know? So there you have it. So the person that, that sent that message in, feel free to DM her and, you know, kind of help navigate through that process. But, um, sounds like it's not something that does it's you know it just happens to her it sounds like it's happened to some other people too you know if you don't it happens you, to people every single day if you walk into it blind sometimes it's a lot worse so we got uh let's see you know. let's get another good one here so this one guy he messaged me which i thought was really cool he says you know i'm a big fan of your work and i'm trying to get some more excitement with my girlfriend in the bedroom I try to put her on to some of the stuff, and I've been getting a little bit of a pushback from her. How can I get her to be more open-minded to doing stuff that you do in your scenes? Well, that's the thing. I do what I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Have you sat down and had a conversation with her about what she would like you to do to her? You know, I think that that's the biggest thing is continue to have conversations about sex in a relationship is integral to having a healthy sex life you know like a little bit of push a little bit of pull work together find a happy medium and try things you know because there are definitely things that you know and i don't know what exactly he's talking about that i do that he wants her to do that's a very big spectrum you mm -hmm. know like are you wanting her to peg you <laughs> are you wanting you know what i mean like i don't know i don't know what you want so you know, I would say to him, like, message me on Sex Panther and we can have a full conversation about this. But, um, you know, I think the most important thing is, like, don't just pull into what you want. Ask her, you know, like if you do some things that she likes and you try some new things that she wants to try, then maybe that will open her up seeing that that was so much fun that it will open her up to trying something that you want to try, you know, and that's, 
you know, you have to work together on it. You know, sex is definitely not one-sided. And enjoying sex is, you know, this puzzle that you have to put together, together. And I think that having conversations about your kinks and what you really enjoy and complimenting each other for things that you enjoyed when you have sex or when you play even, but just playing together, you know, like maybe she wants you to be more flirtatious. Maybe that's what helps her get more warmed up. You know, like maybe you want her to be more flirtatious randomly, you know, like walking, like someone's cooking in the kitchen, just walking by and like giving a kiss on the shoulder and a grab of the ass and being like, damn, that looks good. And by that, I mean you, you know, like being cute, you know, mm-hmm. like little things like compliments help warm up and, and that can open up more conversation, you know? And I think that that, again, conversation, like you need to talk about what you like, what you don't like, what your boundaries are and how you want to explore new levels of those boundaries safely and enjoyably. Yeah. Cause you can't just force somebody to, you know, be that fantasy or that, you know, I want the feeling of, you know, having sex with an adult star or porn star, however you want to, you know, phrase it. Like you said, it's a two way street. Yeah. Know? I'm like, I'm like, it, and, and also saying like, you want her to do things that I do. Like what, what is that specifically? Yeah. Because, you know, if you're talking about like my personality and the way I carry myself on a set, she's a different person. You can't compare me to her. You need to find what's exciting about, I guess, what makes her excited because my personality and the way I come across on scenes is because I'm excited because I have that, like I said, that exhibitionist edge to me and that really ramps up my energy and gets me super happy. And like, that's why I like, when I'm enjoying something, I giggle and I do think, you know, so what is it that will turn on that energy for her? And I think, you know, again, having conversations about sex when you're not having sex is a good way to figure that out and find a way to bring out the porn star in both of you. (laughs) Definitely. So I want to talk about is you have this, uh, this bus that you said you were redoing and, you know, remodeling it and like kind of, kind of tell us about mm-hmm. this. Cause I know you say you mentioned you're into cars and doing all the, you know, the, the car stuff, yeah. but what's, what is going on with the, the bus? Okay. So I live in it. Full okay. Time. Um, with my husband, sorry guys, I got a hubby, but guess what? He likes to, uh, still let me do me, which is part of why I married an average guy. Cause he's awesome. Um, but, uh, <laughs> You know, no, it's, I, sorry, just to take a note on that, like, a lot of guys, like, I think are surprised by my husband, because he looks like a fucking caveman, like, he's stocky, he's hairy, he's bearded, you know, and, uh, but he's, like, a genuinely fantastic guy that lets me be me, and doesn't try to restrict me in any way, you know, so it's great, um, but he also, you know, it's helping me do this and he's really the handy guy because I'm not going to try to like saw through a 12 foot board. That's that's not going to happen. I'm going to injure myself, but um, you know, but like the bus is our home, you know, it's 29 feet long on the inside. So it's 230 square feet. We have two large dogs and I have designed 
every inch of this bus personally. Like everything in it is my design, my choice based on the needs we both have. Again, conversations <laughs> and, um, and getting it done. And it's so fucking close to being finished, you know, but um, the idea is that we will be traveling the country, which will make it easier for me to get to more exotica, which will be great. Um, and, having experiences and filming those experiences for our YouTube channel. And it's called whiskey wilderness, by the way, you can find it on Instagram or YouTube and, you know, going to small towns around the country and getting to see beautiful parts of the national parks of our country, or even little tucked away hidden gems in random parts of different States and going to wineries, breweries, distilleries, and, you know, little restaurants and quirky shops and, and all of those things and really getting to experience all the beautiful small details that are around this country. And um, we'll do that for a few years <laughs> at least. Um, but then also, again, giving me the opportunity to travel more. You know, I think with uh, after COVID, like I was saying earlier, is like I don't make what I used to. I can't just hop on a plane and go to California and shoot five or six scenes and come back home. I can't do that. So um, being able to travel and go to more expos, meeting up with, with friends around the country, like my friend Nikki Huntsman just released, I think it's uh, RTK, RTP Media. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it's a Rocky Mountain um, group that is, shooting porn in Colorado and they're shooting studio porn with an emphasis on uh, stories and, you know, more like the wicked style films, like with more storylines, more script and, you know, more uh, context to, to its films, which I think is going to be really, really cool. And she contacted me and she's like, Hey, when are you going to be out here? We want to book you. <laughs> so, you know, things like that. So um, it gives me the opportunity to do that and still be comfortable and be able to find a place to stay uh, with the bus and be able to sleep in my own bed and be able to get up at five in the morning, get ready, memorize my script, go to that set and, and fucking rock it, you know, and um, and be able to travel and do, you know, hopefully events with other adult-oriented companies like my friend um, who run a company called Gas and Garters um Brian and uh his wife Kitty Bateman who is also a content creator um they have this fucking awesome brand and they're actually going to have their first booth at an Exotica in Chicago next year and I'm going to be at their booth and um but they're going to travel the country and so we're going to you know road trip with them for a little while and I'm going to work all the different motorcycle rallies and stuff like that at their booth with them and um and also make content with his wife and, and maybe dance some clubs with her while, while we're traveling and stuff, you know. So it just opens me up to a lot more opportunities and a lot more experiences. And so um, all the hard work that I'm putting in right now or we're putting in right now is going to really pay off because it's also going to be beautiful, which means it's going to be great to shoot content in as well. So it'll be nice. Well, very awesome. You can check all that out on your socials. I've seen you doing on Twitter, you know, the different updates that you've been doing to it. So it's been really cool watching mm -hmm. this whole, it's like a DIY show, you know, through Twitter here. 
uh, watching the different stuff yeah. that you're doing with it. Um, and the cool thing is, yeah, like you, you said, you, the YouTube. I I film and edit every single one of our YouTube videos. I'm I'm learning. It's gotten better with time, but I'm not. We're just yes, using, I mean, you know, there's there's an audience it, for that. So. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, you know. So, so I mean, coming up on, we're hoping to get monetized, and, and that'll be a great. Um, yeah, it's another. To, yeah. My uh, my filmography, so to speak. Yeah, so. and that's it's another source of income. You know, that's always great. Um, Maybe I mean, if we don't get monetized, we're still going to film it. But you know, it'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice, you know, to get recognized yeah. for that. And and the cool thing is, like yeah. I said, you can travel over, and you're going to be traveling to Exotica. And I want to mention that because Exotica in Edison, New Jersey. So it's an Exotica that. I always attend, and I know there's exoticas in different places. And I've I've gone to every Edison exotica since I got in the industry. Yes, and I've seen so, you there before. This will be and my ninth one. And the cool thing is, it's like no shade to the other cities and everything, but I mean, it's it's Edison. It's right in the shadows of New York it's City. It's the original. Yeah, yeah. It, there's one and only. I mean, I think there was the one year where he did it in Atlantic City, which kind of felt like eh. that was my that was yeah that was rough and they went right back to <laughs> yeah it's like that didn't work out that was like ordering um, something you get yeah, in a wish no, version um, of it yeah and like i said like you know and the thing is too for me is um so like i'll be at the why not booth again in in jersey this year and for me like i was saying earlier i go to the exoticas for the fans because you know these shows are fueled by them you know and i think it's it's important to be there and be on the floor and be there to interact with, with fans um, and be able to meet them in person. Because again, it's that, you know, I'm somewhere out there. I'm someone's fantasy and I want to give them the opportunity to meet me in person, you know? And I think that, and see that I'm down to earth and, you know, and chill, but also still that fantasy. And I think that, um, that's what's so great about the exoticus for me. And I do have sometimes have to fight with like the tables I, I work at because I'm like, I want to be there all day, every day, all three days of the show. Because I don't go to these shows to be on the floor for an hour or two and then shoot content the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't do that. I do not shoot stuff at exoticas once the show has started. Period. So, like, I'm on the floor. I'm there. I put a lot of effort into it. I bring merch. I make costumes, you know, and I want it to be, I want to be part of the thrill of attending a show like that, you know. And a lot of people that go to them, it's the first time. They're just exploring it a little bit. And I want to be able to meet them and give them a great experience at a show like that, you know. And I think, uh, I don't know. It's just what makes me so in love with them. But I was doing extra work long before I ever went to my first Exotica, you know. So um, it's almost like going home for me. Like, it's a super comfortable place for me. Like, I'm so in love with it. Like, again, like just being in front of people, getting to meet new people, getting to talk about anything and everything and having fun. You know, even if it's only for 10 minutes at a time, having fun with someone new and getting to see who's new in the industry, getting to meet new people, getting to have experiences with old friends that I only get to see at the shows because it's the only time that we're anywhere near each other because we all live so so spread apart or whatever. But, um, but yeah, you know, like 
I don't know, they're great. So like I'll be I'll be at Edison at the Why Not booth and I'll be at DC at the Why Not booth and then I'll be at the at the new Gas and Garters booth um in Chicago as well next year. So I'm really excited about that. So people that are attending this for the first time and you said you got merch there. What are some of the items that people can pick up from you? So I usually always have eight by tens and I obviously like take photos with people as well. Um, and on occasion I've had like other things, but generally it's just eight by tens. I don't have DVDs anymore because it's very difficult to acquire them now because most companies kind of gone off of even making them, um, which is unfortunate because they were like a big thing for me. Um, and in the past, I had a toy as well. I had a stroker that I that I had that was mine. Um, and that contract ended, and I sold the last one in Chicago um, this year. And, uh, yeah, so it's just me, you know. But, I mean, like, if someone wants a pair of my smelly socks or, you know, a pair <laughs> of panties that I was wearing, you know, I am totally open to offers. Um, like, are you going to finish your yeah. lunch? You know, can I have that that half a slice of pizza you got there? Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, not like that. No, but I mean, like, you know, we have, you know, like there are fetishes to go to these shows, and I have some guys who they'll see me in an outfit with stockings, mm-hmm. and they'll ask if they can purchase them, and I'm like, yeah, you can have them, but you have to pick them up at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, yeah, I need uh, them you know, for the like, rest of the show. You can purchase them, yeah, you can purchase them, but I need them for the day, and you can pick pick them up at the at the closing today. You know, and I've done that so many times where someone will ask for socks or they want a pair of underwear or they want you know something like that, and I and I fucking just love it. I love it. Um, you know, like and uh, and that's also part of my brand in a way because I really enjoy like I. You know, I, I kind of say, like, I'm a modernized pinup in a way. Like, I really love doing stocking um, videos and stocking fetish and things like that. And um, so when I get those guys who are into that stuff at the show, it just makes me super excited um, and uh, and everything. And, like, I'll have guys who are, you know, foot fetish guys, and they're like, can I, you know, like, how much is it to, like, massage your feet or, you know, to lay under the table and have you just, like, put your, you know, take your feet out of your boots for a little while and put your sweaty feet on my face. And I'm just like, mm, I love it. Um, so, you know, I also have those types of things on offer. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't do, I'm very outspoken about this. Like I'm not an escort. I don't do private domination sessions. I don't do anything like that. Like if you want to have my feet in your face in real life, the only place to get that is on the show floor at Exotica. So you better be confident enough in yourself to understand that you're in a public space and also you're in a safe space where you're not going to get judged for that at all. You know, like at, at an Exotica. Like it's, I think that's what makes them so exciting is that there's all these different kinks on display and all these different people come together and like just enjoy the adult fun of it. Well, that if that's not the selling point right there to be able to be, you know, the human, you know, foot cushion, uh, <laughs> I don't know yeah. what else is going to get you to get to Exotica. Yeah, I, had, I had a guy ask me ask me if I could uh, do some trampling on him at the show. He like messaged me and was like, "Do you do? Will you do trampling and like poke me in the dick with your stilettos?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely." You know, it's fun. You know, and I think uh, for me, like especially. Um, 
my favorite things are always, you know, domination. And I, and I call myself like a sweet dom. Like I sound really cute, but I can be absolutely vicious. <laughs> <laughs> so you know? watch what but you ask far, for. <laughs> only, yeah. But only, only as far as, as someone is comfortable going, like I don't, you know, like I never want to push somebody, you know, like, or anything like that. Like I, I don't have any excitement in doing that. I want to give them what they are looking for exactly and make that fantasy real you know and i think that's uh part of it too you know well that's the cool thing is that i hope that i get to witness some of these human cushions when i'm there at exotica <laughs> but for those that are not able to travel to exotica for those that do not have kick-ass buses that you know can travel across the country or you know well, i don't even i'm not i don't i don't even take it to, to the exotica but i'm driving my car to this one okay well if people just don't have transportation <laughs> in any way whatsoever yeah. to get to exotica mm-hmm. where can people find you at online so they can you know stay interactive with you i know you mentioned you know chatterbait you know, all these different things. Oh, where... no, no, no. I don't do the chatterbait thing. No, I don't, I don't cam. Um, but I always have my text messaging on, on Sex Panther. Okay. Always. I turn it off at like nine o'clock at night just cause that's family time. But, um, I get up pretty early. I just turn it on, you know, and I'm available for calls if someone requests and I have, and I'm in a place I can do it. <laughs> like if I'm at home, I can do it. If I'm out in public, obviously not, but. Um, but yeah, so like I'm always available on Sex Panther pretty much. Um, that's my favorite way to interact with people, um, because I can send pictures and videos and like, it's a completely private conversation and like, it's safe on there. Um, and then I do have an OnlyFans. I post, I just throw a post up once a day. Um, and I'll answer messages and stuff on there sometimes, um, but generally, like, I try to get interactions and I, like, ask for commentary or ideas and no one ever gives them to me, but it's okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then I'm, you know, of course, I'm on Twitter at Eden underscore Blair. I also have on Foxy.co, I have a little video store where people can purchase um, photo sets or videos. I'm an old school model. I still do me some photo sets. And I have a lot of people that love those. Um, and, um yeah, you know, like it's uh, an Instagram official, even Blair. Very awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Um, I'm super excited to, you know, grab a photo with you. I don't, I don't know. I have to see how my comfort zone is to be a human cushion, you know, or a human trampoline <laughs> or a moon bounce. Yeah, that's or, the thing. If it's not, you know, if it's not your fetish, then no worries. Yeah, you know? I just, you like, know, you I never get, thought about it, know? though. You know, I never, I never gave yeah. thought into, you know, do, like, I never, like, I I didn't wake up and was like, do I want to be a human Chuck E. Cheese? You know, mm-hmm. like, do I, I want to. Wanted... asked me to slap him once, and I, and I, I obliged, <laughs> but it freaked out somebody that was walking. I think they thought I got mad at somebody and hit them, you know, and I was like, no, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a slap master. I'm very good. I've shot a lot of content for, um, femdom companies that, like, specifically do do little clips for that and uh i'm good at it but um but yeah you know like some people are just you know they just want to hug or you know something i do that makes a lot of people blush is i jump up into their arms high enough that like they can grab me like under my legs so their hands rest like just on my booty as long um, as they catch you and kind of, <laughs> please do not drop yeah. her no there there are some guys i'm like there are some guys i'm like are you fully confident that you can 
lift me, you know, like no shade on skinny guys. I'm just like, I'm heavier than I look. Like I'm almost, you know, like I'm a hundred. <laughs> I got to see some guy fall you down <laughs> like a wrestling you know? move like, on them. She just did a cross body yeah. on this guy. <laughs> yeah. No, I had a guy almost drop me once and it scared the uh, shit out of me because it's concrete floors in there. Yeah, it is. Six inch, seven inch heels. You know, I can't catch myself. So. You know, I'm. Uh, I always ask people, you know, that kind of thing. But if they if they can't, then I have very other fun alternative ways of taking some super fun pictures. You know, so. Um, and like so, I said, yeah, you, you offer know, slaps. Just, you know, the slap master. Yeah, and... yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much up for anything. You want to keep it tame? We can do it tame. You want me to like, like put you on a put you on a chair and do you know like put my butt you know reverse cowgirl up and my and my chest on the ground? I'll do that. You know, like it's just fun. It's like whatever. Whatever works, you know. Whatever, whatever so, you, your I'm, I'm heart desires. <laughs> yeah, very open-minded. Well, uh, we got to get the mix master and the slap master. We got to figure out how we got to do this, like and form some kind of tag team there. Um, <laughs> but I, again, I really appreciate you talking to us, and it's been really cool getting to, to hear your story and, and your insight. And again, for the people who are sending in DMs and you know you have questions that are on a more I don't want to say serious level, but I mean, you know, that like if you have concerns or stuff or advice for the business and everything, you know, she's made it known that you can DM her. So, you know, send those questions mm-hmm. into her because, uh, again, like you said, conversations is big and it's good that you, there's mm-hmm. someone out there who is not so, uh, like threatened, you know, to give advice. Cause I see a lot of people that yeah, feel know, threatened, like, I, like they're like... going to take a spot away from them or something. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is, like, we should all be helping to build each other up and make this industry even more uh, accepted. You know, I think that's really important. And and in doing that, you want to keep everyone safe. And I think that that's a big thing. You know, like, I tell girls, here's agents that are amazing. Here's agents that aren't. Here's agents on this side of the country. Here's agents on this side of the country. Here's companies that I trust. And and let me show you how to do this research. And let me show you, like, what rates should be. And let me, you know, I want them to succeed if they're going to do this and they're all in by all means let me you know like ask for advice and ask for help because it can't hurt you know very awesome so, so again like you can a big sister yes exactly we all need that you know yeah, like I have, I have a bunch of girls that call me like big sister like they're like hey big sis you know, and they like ask me a question. And it's and, and I said it's cool that they have they have an outlet there. You know, it's it's very cool that you're doing that. So make sure you check her out at Exotica in Edison, New Jersey. You can get information at exoticaexpo.com. Check her out on all of her social platforms and Sex Panther mm-hmm. and you know all the other great stuff that she's doing. Check out her YouTube and you know I'll be retweeting stuff. So make sure you check that out. Uh, we thank you again for talking to us, and we can't wait to see you in Edison, New Jersey. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to actually getting to give you a big hug. Yes, I, I'll, I'm, I'm down for the hugs. Like I said, I, I might have to ease into the human, like I said, moon bounce thing. You know, I don't know about that or don't <laughs> well, do good. I'm a hugger, so. Yeah, hug, hug life is all my thing. You know, the, the whack and mixmaster B. I don't know if you know, I don't know if whack at MMB is you know a good thing for me, but um, no. But I'm definitely, I will, I will. Yeah, I will hug you to death if that's, you know, if that's the option. So, uh, again, appreciate it, and we can't wait to hear from you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much.